0: This podcast is sponsored by 10 of those. If you're at the recent T4G conference, you probably went to the bookstore. It was run by 10ofthose.com. They want to serve the local church by bringing the best books from across the publishers at super low prices to conferences and churches across America. So if you're involved in running a conference or perhaps you have a women's retreat coming up or a church anniversary weekend, invite 10ofthose.com to provide a pop-up bookstore. There is no charge for them to come. They'll recommend resources and serve you really well, taking care of all the stock, the cash register, sales tax, et cetera. And they come for conferences and churches of 300 people or more. They can also help you if you're doing things online. They can provide you with a customized online bookstore for your church, and there's no charge for that either. Email their team to get your bookstore set up. That's sales.us at 10 Sales.us at 10 Baptist
1: 21 is a pastor-led voice for Southern Baptists in the 21st century. The B21 podcast will discuss current issues in the SBC with Southern Baptist church leaders. To check out more resources, visit us at baptist21.com.
0: Well, welcome to the Baptist 21 podcast where we have conversations about what it means to be Baptist in the 21st century. I'm your host Nate Aiken, and this week on the podcast, we're going to continue to hear uh, some of those th- short theological talks from one of our partners, the Pillar Network. Uh, this week, we're going to hear from Liam Garvey. Uh, he does a conver- he does a uh, talk on being confessionally Baptistic, talking about some of the more important distinctives of what it means to be Baptist and why those things are important. Liam serves as the both the international director of Pillar. He's also the associate pastor at Charlotte Chapel in Edinburgh, Scotland. Uh talked again a little bit about Charlotte Chapel last week, a church that was founded by a friend of William Carey and Andrew Fuller, a uh, faithful gospel witness there. And Liam talks about uh, some of the things that we prize as Baptists, some of the things that have uh, marked us out and distinguished us as um, as a people who uh, obviously form local churches around certain um, key theological issues and, and around certain uh, church government themes. And so... Uh, This week we will hear from uh, from Liam on the topic confessionally Baptistic, uh, a good and helpful conversation uh, these days uh, in Baptist circles. And I hope that you'll be edified by uh, Liam sharing um, on some of these things, uh, again, from the talk of being confessionally Baptistic.
1: One day. In my uh, pre-converted teenage delinquency, uh, the police came knocking at my door. My parents were away for the day, and my friends came round to enjoy what we in Scotland call an empty. We had been letting off fireworks inside. (laughs) And our semi-detached neighbors, for some reason, complained. Uh, Now, someone among our friends had left the front door open, so two burly policemen walked right in uh, to our living room, and the pyrotechnics immediately stopped. I thought that was quite good of us, but, uh, whose house is this? One of the officers asked. Now, one of the boys, in a moment of madness, I think, pointed to the picture of my mum and dad hanging on the wall. Whether it was a genius deviation tactic or an indication of his intellect, I'm not quite sure. Frustrated by our absolute cheek, the officer then asked, OK, who's in charge? And in one slow-mo act of choreographic comedy, we all kind of pointed our gunpowder-stained hands at each other. It was hilarious for a moment. Right, that's enough, said the other policeman, pointing to the picture himself of my mum and dad in a bizarre moment. Who belongs to this family? The fingers of the boys happily switched persons, giving away no indication, pointing deceitfully to one another. It it felt to me in that moment like a moment of evasive brilliance until my mum came through the door and shouted, Liam! and a bunch of other expletives that I will not say here. Everybody left. I was left as the only true member of that household. Now, you might be wondering, what on earth does this have to do with, does it say confessionally baptistic up there? It did a minute ago. Well, let me take you back to the questions that the officers asked and ask them again, because how you answer those three simple questions says a lot, not all, not in a talk like this, about a church's polity and why it matters. Let me show you what I mean. Question number one, whose house is this? That was the first question that was asked. My confused pal pointed to a picture of my parents. Who do we point to? We don't have any stained glass images depicted, depicting Christ here. That's good, because I know a church history professor here would go absolute iconoclastic on the place uh, if, if it did. But we at Pillar gladly, symbolically, if you like, point upwards in the happy understanding that in confessionally Baptist churches, it is Christ's, it is his household. Let us remind ourselves of this most basic yet glorious fact in Colossians 1, that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things. In him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church, the beginning, and the firstborn from among the dead, that in everything he might be be preeminent. As our local churches gather, whose house is this, we ask? It's not a state's church. No. It's not a monarch's church. No. It's not a denomination's church. It's not your church. It's not my church. Let's not be careless with our anti-ecclesiological accuracy talk. It is Christ's church. That is our shared confession. Our gatherings are an expression of His reign on earth, our law, His word, the means by which He rules us, our ministries, the submissive acts of servants and stewards, merely so. Our mission, the unrelenting act of proclamation that points to Him saying, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. That is our confession. Whose house is this? It's Christ's house. Second question, who's in charge? Where does authority lie in Christ's church? In the gathering of delinquents in my home, we pointed to each other, it was disrespectful, it was deceptive, but in our own churches, we Baptists can point in the very same direction as my pals, to one another. That's where authority lies, for in confessionally Baptist churches, it is the congregation that is in charge. That's not the case in other denominations. We know whose polity is uh, structurally and functionally r- uh, r- i mean different. In the Catholic Church, the Pope's in charge. What he says goes. In the Anglican Communion, oddly the King of England is ultimately in charge, and in a few weeks, Charles will be set apart as the, quote, defender of the faith and supreme governor of the Church of England, and he ordains, he appoints and rules through an archbishop and bishops who ordain, appoint, and rule, and all that jazz. And then there's Presbyterians, the elders rule, and that under synod and assembly governance, top down. Not so with us. Authority lies with the congregation of regenerate church members, gathering with God's Word in their hands, To discern on their knees the mind of Christ and make decisions consistent with His commands, decisions that are made in order to bring Him maximal praise. So when it comes to membership and ministry and mission and more, the Bible consistently shows that any appointing or choosing or welcoming or excommunicating is done by the whole church the body of believers. I'm not saying it's always easy, it's not. Lots of other denominations think it's daft, it's not. We at Pillar think it's a glorious means because we have a high view, a high view of the blood-bought loved ones entrusted to our care, and an even higher view of the authority of the Christ who ordains it this way. Whose house is this? It's Christ's house. Who's in charge?
0: The church family is. This podcast is sponsored by 10 of those. If you're at the recent T4G conference, you probably went to the bookstore. It was run by 10ofthose.com. They want to serve the local church by bringing the best books from across the publishers at super low prices to conferences and churches across America. So if you're involved in running a conference or perhaps you have a women's retreat coming up or a church anniversary weekend, invite 10 to provide a pop-up bookstore. There is no charge for them to come. They'll recommend resources and serve you really well, taking care of all the stock, the cash register, sales tax, etc. And they come for conferences and churches of 300 people or more. They can also help you if you're doing things online. They can provide you with a customized online bookstore for your church, and there's no charge for that either. Email their team to get your bookstore set up. That's sales.us at 10 Sales.us at 10 The third question Who belongs to
1: that family? Well, the policemen in my home that day demanded to know. We all pointed to each other, but that was a lie. We didn't all belong to the father and the mother framed on the wall. I was the only one born of George and Liz Garvey. Getting a little bit yucked out at the thought as well, but all the rest were absolute pretenders, as proved when my mum returned home early from getting her perm done. No one else in that room cried, Mommy, you know. And when she cried out, Liam, you know, and no other name, all of my pals scarpered, and my true sonship was revealed. Now, I want to say with this, probably the most tedious of links you've heard through the whole conference, the same is true of our pillar churches. In confessionally baptistic churches, we believe it is the regenerate who belongs. It is those who are born, John 1, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Or John 3, born again of water and the spirit. It is those whose confession will be shown up for what it is when Christ returns for his true sons and daughters, not with a white hot rage of a furious mother, but with the happy demeanor of a forgiving king joyfully ushering us into the presence of the one that we get to call Father. Now, we take great care on this one. I know there are other aspects to being confessionally Baptistic, but regenerate church membership is the biggie, isn't it? Go back and read the wording of historic Baptist confessions, the First Baptist Conf- London Confession, sixteen forty four describes the local church as a company of visible saints called and separated from the world by the Word and Spirit of God to the visible profession of the faith of the gospel. The 1689 said something similar, "'The members of these churches are saints by calling, visibly manifesting and evidencing in and by their profession and walking their obedience to the call of Christ.'" That's why we Baptists like fences. Fences are great. Fence the church through baptism of believers on profession of faith. Fence the table of the Lord through active church membership and discipline and maintain the purity of the church. And that's why to us, to the churches in in our network, the names on our rolls are not inaccurate nor impersonal. The numbers on our rolls are not going to be allowed to be inflated by some kind of sentimental record of those who were at one point involved in the church or who like to remain just connected somehow to the church. No, to the churches in our network, our membership, church membership, is truly an expression of our confession of Christ and a statement of our collective commitment to Christ, to His sanctifying work, in our lives, and to his saving work through us, his church, in the lives of others. So why does it matter to a family of churches like ours working together with the express aim of planting and revitalizing churches? Well, there are many reasons. For one, because we wanna be obedient. As Dag himself said over 150 years ago, church order and the ceremonials of religion are less important than a new heart. And in view of some, any laborious investigation of questions respecting them may appear to be needless and unprofitable, but we know from the Holy Scriptures that Christ gave commands on these subjects, and we cannot refuse to obey. Secondly, because we want to magnify Christ, as Jeff Chang quotes of Spurgeon in his recent book, Spurgeon the Pastor, the proper study of the Christian is Christ. Next to that subject is the church. And though I would by no means ever urge you to think of the church as for a moment to put her in comparison with her Lord, yet think of her in relation to him, you will not think any the less of Christ for making much of his church. The two are vitally, vitally connected. Three, because we want to keep the curse of nominalism away. I read an article this week on the Gospel Coalition website on the decline of the Church of Scotland. You can read it yourself. It's called Jesus Has Left the Building. It reports a 60-year decline of the Church of Scotland, a Presbyterian denomination, the so-called National Church back home, from its heyday with 1.3 million members to a mere 300,000, and that's generous. What was the root of such, as they call, decline? The answer's in the stats. In 1957, well, 60% of Scots were members of a church, less than 20% were showing up each week, and a significant percentage of those who did attend did so because it was the done thing. It was routine or good for business. The membership was not entirely regenerate. The baptism of infants, though conferring something less than the new birth, as they would say, along with the lack of care given to the visible signs of faith among its members, resulted in its churches, its elderships, its denominational leadership positions populated with people who will not even confess Christ as Lord. And who do not care about godliness or about guarding and passing on the gospel. That's why I personally would refrain from calling it church decline. I prefer the word purge. Fourth and final reason, we're committed to these Baptist principles to keep the gospel spreading. For the local church, rightly ordered faithfully practicing the ordinances given by her sending sovereign will not only purify our membership, but put juice, nitros, in our mission. For those who've been born again by the living and abiding Word of God, they'll proclaim it, no doubt. Those who've grown in the grace and knowledge of Jesus will be so transformed into His likeness that even their conduct Will attest to the truth of the words that they proclaim. And by such means, Jesus has promised to build this church, to save souls, gather them into local churches, repeating the whole process over and over and over again. And that's why it absolutely matters. So whose house is it? It's Christ's house. Who's in charge? The church family is. Who belongs to that family? The regenerate who confess Jesus Christ as Lord.
0: Thank you for listening to the Baptist 21 podcast. To learn more about us, visit us at our website, baptist21.com. Also, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. It would really help us out. If you ever have thoughts or ideas for future interviews, please reach out to us at our email, babbist21 at gmail.com. Again, thanks for listening to the podcast.